We are in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with the sixth verse. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from the confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, now in these moments, will you cause your Holy Spirit to draw our hearts and minds to you, to focus upon the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ Use your word in this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, this is one of those passages, uh, perhaps you noticed, where there are several verses in there that may be somewhat familiar to you, but you you may or may not have known what the context for those verses were, what surrounded it, and, and so on. Uh, there's, there's kind of a familiarity uh, for many of you, I would think, of this passage. And, and so one of those verses is uh, the portion of it, God loves a cheerful giver. So here's a question for you. How do you know if you're a cheerful giver? I'm going to give you a couple of diagnostic statements that may help you to know whether or not you are a cheerful giver. First of all, if you're not giving anything, then you are not a cheerful giver. Secondly, if you are giving, but 
you don't like to hear what God's word says about giving, then you're probably not a cheerful giver. What I find is that, that when people are cheerful givers, they, they love to hear what God's word says. They love to hear it taught and, and preached. Now, only God and you know your heart. But ask yourself, how did I feel when I saw that this message was going to be about giving? So with that, we need to understand about that portion of God's word he says in verse 7 each one must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver that word there uh, we translate cheerful is hilaron which we get the word hilarious and not hilarious in the sense of ridiculous but more in the sense of celebratory that's the idea here and we're going to go into that more but the first thing we we need to understand from this is that that God cares about our attitude he is saying to us that obedience to him is never just about a physical act in other words it's not just about writing out a check and and putting it in the collection basket or uh, going online and giving, uh, that, that's, that's only part of it. But it's never enough. He is concerned and desires our hearts to be in tune with him to the degree that when we give cheerfully, he just, he loves it. He loves that. So how do we get to that point? Uh, Paul describes what it is and what it's not. He says it is a decision in, in the heart. Uh, and then he talks about what it's not. He said it should not be reluctantly. And that means literally it should not be from grief. And that a, that's a strong perspective there. Not out of, it shouldn't bring sadness or longing when, when we give, and that it shouldn't be under compulsion. So what kind of compulsion? Well, maybe for somebody it's to avoid punishment. You know, I, I better give or God will punish me. Or could be to impress someone shouldn't be any of those it should be joyfully cheerfully recognizing that we have been given the privilege to give to him how do we get to that point well Paul makes a point by point argument and he as he builds it the argument tells us how and why we can become a cheerful giver. So let's move through this passage. Uh, he uses, first of all, uh, the law of the harvest. Uh, verse 6, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully 
will also reap bountifully. He says, that's the point. (laughs) The point is this. Um, Some have called that the law of proportional reward. Uh, It it is a general uh, scriptural principle, not just forgiving, but in general. For instance, over in the book of Galatians, Paul uses it uh, pertaining to uh, salvation. Uh, In Galatians 6, verse 7, he says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whoever, uh, whatever one sows, uh, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows from the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So there's there he's saying the same kind of thing pertaining only in the, the spiritual realm pertaining to, to salvation. And then uh, back in Proverbs, and we just uh, prior to Second Corinthians uh, had a, a series of themes from Proverbs, and we studied about what those Proverbs are, that they're not, they're not promises, but they are uh, true observations of, of what goes on in life in general. So uh, we read in Proverbs 11, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. So, so the writer of that proverb is, is saying, look, um, here's something I've seen, and this is different than what you would think. This person over here gives... And it seems like he's, he's got more and more to be able to give. And this person over here refuses to give and be generous. And, and it seems like they're always wanting and always needing and, and, and never quite able. Again, it's the law of the harvest. So why does it work that way? Well, think about this. Let's say you, you buy a new house, and uh, m- many times uh, a house will be marketed with this beautiful front yard, or at least the model home will, <laughs> okay? And uh, you see this, uh, you know, this beautiful yard, and you, you buy the house, and then you kind of w- walk around to the side yard, and you go, wow, that's pretty thin here and then you get to the backyard and it's like there's a few sprigs here and there of of grass now it would be ridiculous for you to sit on your back patio and wait for your grass to grow to be a beautiful yard why well because you didn't sow any seed you didn't put the the turf out You're not going to get those results without first sowing the seed. We get that. Farmers get it. They don't expect to to reap a harvest unless they've sowed seeds. And if they sow less, they expect to get less. And if they sow more, they hope to get more. And God God says, that's a principle. And the, the divine principle when it comes to giving is, There's a divine reward for faithful giving. Now, stay with me here. Because often from this pulpit and in our teachings here at St. Andrews, we warn 
against the health and wealth gospel. We, we caution against the prosperity gospel, which, which, well, let me quote one of the early, more famous ones, Reverend Ike. You love your money, and your money will love you. And he would literally, uh, I used to, when I was on uh, driving back and forth uh, to college, I, I would listen to him. Uh, I don't know why I listened to him. I guess for an illustration, 40 years later, I don't know. But, but he, would, uh, he, he would often have testimonies of uh, this woman that started giving to his ministry, and now she's driving these fantastic cars and, and things like that. Well, we, we, we caution against that, but how, how different is what I just said to that? Why is what I said, why is the law of the harvest different from that? Well, it's because Paul isn't saying, if you give, you're going to get richer. If you give, you're going to have nicer cars and you're going to have nicer homes and, and uh, uh, become a, a millionaire. He's speaking of spiritual reward here. Now, you, you may see financial gain somewhere, but that's not the promise. That's all I'm saying here. In verse 10, for instance, it says, multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. That's the, that's the promise there. It's not that God supplies so that we can have more money and larger cars. He supplies so we can give more. If that's true, why would we not be cheered by that fact when we give. Next in his argument, Paul uh, says we should so generously because it's a reflection on his, on God's generosity. Verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound in you so that having all sufficiency, notice these words, uh, in all things at all times you may abound in every good work as it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. It's a quote from Psalm 112, verse 9. And there it's not talking about God, he's talking about the righteous man. The psalmist, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, indicates when we give to, to the Lord, it's enduring it has forever consequences. And then verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. That's based on Isaiah 55. So these principles are all throughout scripture. This isn't something Paul is inventing. Uh, he, here he is speaking of God who's the supplier for our giving, because he owns everything. But not only does he own everything, but then he, he supplies uh, that which he wants you to give. That's like the, the safety net of giving we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Some have put it this way, you can't outgive God. It's almost like supply and demand, but maybe, maybe instead of that, it's demand and supply. He supplies 
so that then we can give. I love the story of Peter Marshall. Some of you may know who he was uh, in the 20th century. He was the, uh, became the chaplain of uh, the, the United States Senate at one point, but he actually pastored a church over in Atlanta prior to that, a Scotsman, and just with a, uh, was a, a wonderful preacher. And uh, he had a man come to him that said, uh, Dr. Marshall, uh, I- I've got a problem. And Dr. Marshall said, okay, well, tell me, tell me what it is. He says, uh, uh, I've been tithing for some time. I start, when I started out, I was making $20,000 a year, and I would tithe $2,000 on that. And he said, you know, that wasn't too bad. But now he said, I'm, I'm making $500,000 a year and uh, I just can't afford to tithe $50,000. Well, Dr. Marshall reflected for just a moment. He said, I, I see your dilemma. He said, we, I think we should pray about that. Is that okay? And uh, the the man agreed. So Dr. Marshall bowed his head and prayed this. Dear Lord, this man has a problem. And I pray that you will help him, Lord. Lord, reduce his salary back to the place where he can afford to tithe again. You get it? Paul goes on and he says, we should so generously because if, if we do, God will get the glory. I, I want you to see the progression. I'm just going to read you three, three verses here because it, it's such an obvious point. Uh, verse 11, it says, uh, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. And then verse 12, for the ministry of this service is not only uh, supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. And then verse 13, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. So the progression is thanksgiving, thanksgivings, and glory to God. He said, that's what what happens. It's not about you getting credit. It's about our supplier getting credit and people thanking him and praising him and glorifying him. So uh, let me give you several applications. First of all, I mentioned this earlier. We have a safety net when we give to God. What's the safety net? Well, he will increase and enlarge the harvest. The second part of uh, uh, verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And further under that, 
We are stewards. Verse 11. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So here we see he supplies us. He's generous with us so we can give and so we can then share. So we, we don't tend to talk about this principle that much when it comes to our, uh, our operational, our general fund giving or our mortgage reduction giving. We do talk about that when it comes to faith mission giving, but it applies to all of them. Here's how we generally talk about our faith mission giving. We encourage people to pray and ask God, God, what will you supply to me this year that you want me to then give toward global missions. And then we encourage you to commit to that and to to follow through. As he supplies, then you give. That's a principle that we should look at in in all of our, our giving. Every financial decision that we make is a spiritual decision. The reason is because we're dealing with something that God owns that we've been put in charge of. You might be saying, well, then that takes the fun out of giving to God. If, if I'm just giving back to him what he, what he gave to me. Well, well let me ask you this. Uh, if you had children um, and at Christmas time you gave them money and then they went and got you a gift with that money, did that take all the joy out of receiving that gift? Of course not. It didn't for me. That's how it worked in our, our home, though. I'd give them the money. They'd give me a gift, and I would, I would love that gift. Well, that's how it is with God. He loves it. That's how he works. He, he says in Philippians 4.19, uh, uh, Paul says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. When he, he gives to you financially, it's so you can continue to give and give more and give so that there'll be thanksgiving and thanksgivings and glory to him. So what's the next step in your giving? For some of you, it, it may be beginning to tithe. Recognize that uh, God owns it all. He asked for one-tenth and saying, it's time. It's time for us to give according to uh, what the scripture says. That's the start. For some of you, the next step uh, is Maybe revising your lifestyle so that you can be freed up to, to give more to God. Or for some, it's following through on, on something that God has prompted you in your heart to give toward that you just haven't followed through on. And for some of you, it is continuing to give, but beginning to give with joy. And seeing the joy in giving. Second application 
is the very last verse in this passage, and that is that Christ is the ultimate gift. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. All the way through this passage, the emphasis has been on uh, that biblical giving starts with giving of yourself first. Back in chapter 8, verse 5, it says they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. So here's, here's what that means is if... If, uh, if you're not in Christ, if you're not trusting in Christ alone for your eternal life, you don't need to worry about uh, tithing or giving or giving joyfully or any of those things because all of those things are based first and foremost upon the gift that is given to us. And if you don't receive that gift of eternal life, then those other things don't matter. They come later. It's an inexpressible gift. It is salvation through trusting in Christ alone. And I would love to talk to any of you more about that or any of our pastors or or staff or folks here at St. Andrews to to guide you along in that journey because that's where it starts. And then finally, back to the the verse we started with, verse 7. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So here's the point. For all of the reasons that I have just given to you, for all of those reasons are reasons why that's true. So make the decision, not by compulsion. Make the decision in your heart and then give with joy because God loves that. Let's pray together. Lord, even that we can only do in the power of your Holy Spirit and so we would ask that you would enable us even as you supply us enable us to have that joy that hilarity as we give we pray in Jesus name Amen